0: Hello and welcome to John Cook Ministries Podcast. I'm John Cook. I want to welcome you to our continuing study on the Pastoral Epistles. Today we are dealing with lesson number six. This is part eight of our study on lesson number six. And we will be looking at First Timothy chapter six, verses 19 through 21. Take your Bible, if you will, now, and look up First Timothy, chapter six and verse 19. though it's on the screen at the moment, it's good for you just to look in your Bible and to make sure that you don't take what somebody says as being the gospel truth unless you see it in the word of God for yourself. Because it's what God says, thus saith the Lord, is what is important, not what we think, not what some man says, not what you think, but what God says. And so take your Bible, look at First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 19. And there we read, Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, what is that talking about? Well, that's carrying on from the verse prior to that, and let me just real quick turn to that and read that to you. In verse 18, says that they do good. And again, this is those that they would be charging. Charge them that are rich, verse 17 says, in this world. Now, He says, don't be high-minded, don't trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God. God alone is who we're supposed to trust in, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Now, why charge them with that? That they may do good, that they be rich in good works ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Now by doing those things, that is by good works, they're ready to distribute and they're willing to communicate. So laying up in store for themselves, the Bible says, a good foundation against the time to come. There's a future. Whether you realize it or not, eternity is real. And the future of eternity is something you better be preparing for. And this is how we prepare for it. That they may lay hold on eternal life. The first thing is getting saved. Being saved and making certain of our salvation. And The Bible says, laying up in store for themselves. Now, this business of laying up in store for themselves, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, God says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. So, the first thing we have to understand is, and we got to be careful where we put our treasure. The Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So he says, lay up for yourselves treasures, but don't lay them up on earth. Why? Because the treasures you lay up on earth are not secure. In fact, they can corrupt. They can be stolen. But he says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither raw moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. You see, the security of laying our treasures up in heaven is the fact that we have treasure which cannot be touched by the things of this world. They cannot be corrupted. They cannot be stolen. Thieves can't break through. They can't break into heaven and take our treasures. So the real riches are not what you have here on earth. The real riches are what we have in heaven. So we're to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Because when we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, Matthew 16, verse 19 through 21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's one thing that's for certain, and that's eternity. And there's one thing that's for certain about eternity. Where you put your treasure is where your heart's going to be. If you're living for this world you're living for that which is going to pass away. You're living for something that is not secure. You're living for something that takes your your eyes off eternity. But when we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, then our heart will be in heaven. Our affections, our delights will be in heaven. He says that Luke chapter 6, verse 48 to 49, the real foundation we're to lay is for for eternity. He says, sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not. Again, he's reminding us that where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. You can't, what, what we put in heaven can't be touched by this world or by its corruption. And where is that foundation to be found? Don't trust in uncertain riches. Don't put your trust in uncertain riches. Don't found your life on your bank account or your job, which supplies your bank account, or your stocks and bonds or whatever else it might be that supplies those uncertain riches. You think they're not uncertain? Think about this. I mentioned this in the last study. We went through a time of real prosperity in our country. And it looked like we were on the uphill climb. It looked like we were really moving forward. And then one day, everything came crashing down. Oh, they said it was for only three months. But it's surprising that what the government says and what they do is two different things. It's like a politician, he'll promise you the world and deliver you the garbage dump. He'll promise he's going to do what he says, but he's lying through his teeth. I remember several years ago when the so-called contract with America was made. One of the primary things was for there to be an amendment introduced that would restrict how long a congressman or senator could serve for, just like our president. Our president is only allowed to serve for two years, or for, excuse me, for, for two terms, of four years each. So they promised us they would put the same restrictions upon our senators and congressmen. Well, once they got in, well, it all changed. It all changed because now it was going to affect their livelihood, and they weren't willing to do that. Republicans are not the only ones who do that. The Democrats do the same thing. They promise you freedom and deliver chains. So our country was in real prosperity for a time. And then it came crashing down. And even until this day, things have still not recovered. We're still not where we were. So what does that prove? You may have had a business, a thriving business, a little over a year ago, and now it doesn't even exist. You see, it's uncertain riches. You don't know what's going to happen to the riches of this world. They can change in an instant. We need a good foundation. We need a place that we, we, we need to set our feet firmly, and our finances firmly on a good foundation. So what's that foundation? Well, the Bible says that there's a foundation that men often build on that's bad news. In Luke chapter 6, verse 48 and 49, verse 48 says, He's like a man which built and housed, and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. What's he talking about? He's talking about a man who hears what God says in his word and then he puts his feet firmly on what God says in his word. And the Bible says he ha- digs. The Bible says that he digged deep. He laid his foundation on a rock. And that rock is Jesus. That rock is the Word of God. And the floods are going to come, and the streams are going to beat. But that house that's founded on the rock that's laid upon the foundation of the rock that house you can't shake it. When we found our lives on what on thus saith the Lord you can't shake that. You can't destroy that. Why? Because it is founded upon a rock. In the Old Testament, we read, we read this statement, their rock is not as our rock. Their rock is not our rock. And I can assure you that if you build your life upon the word of God and what God says, then you won't be building on what the world says. You want to know what it brings about if you build on what the world says? Well, he's the, the one who hears. But here's the, here's the key He doeth not. He doesn't do what the Word of God says. That's what the world is. The world may hear the Word of God, but they don't do what the Word of God says. Well, that's like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. What made the difference between the house that couldn't be shaken with the one that falls? One thing, hearing without doing Hearing without doing. What does that bring? Disaster. So, here's the key. You want security? You want eternal security? Then go to the Word of God and find out what God says and do what God says. The Philippian jailer came to Paul and Silas and said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There's eternal security. If you build a house in this world on just the ground with no foundation, you don't dig deep and get it founded on the rock, then it's going to fall. And it's for certain that it will fall. So, this foundation, where is it found? Well, the Bible tells us it's in love. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. In love. Whose love? God's love. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That love of God is already shown. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, I believe it's verse 8. In Romans 5 and verse 8, it says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Jesus is God's love gift to this world. He commended his love. There it is. Look at Jesus. You see the love of God. Reject him, you reject the love of God. Receive him, you receive the love of God. So, to find the right foundation, you have to know the love of God through Christ Jesus. This foundation comes when we understand and know the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. You, you, you know, all those things right there are the things that man glories in. His wisdom, what he thinks is wisdom. His might, look at my strength. His riches, look at my bank account look at my possessions, look at my home, look at my car, look at all these great things. But let him glory, let him that glorieth glory in this. Don't glory in the things that are passable. Don't glory in those things that we just read about. Your wisdom, your riches, your might. But when you glory, well glory in that in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Do you understand and know God? That I am the Lord. Do you understand and know that God is the Lord? Which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. The Lord delights in exercising loving kindness. He delights in exercising judgment and righteousness in this world. When we delight in what God delights in, then we find a solid foundation to build upon. Then consider this. He says, against the time to come. Are you looking forward to the future or are you stuck in time? Are you thinking that the future or that what it is today is what it will always be? I can remember years ago when my children were little, my pastor made this statement. I call him my pastor because I worked for him before I, went in, before I was pastor of a church and then before I went to the mission field. And my pastor made this statement, Pastor James Johnston. He said, you think your kids will, be, will always be what they are right now, but they won't. Well, the same thing's true about your riches, your possessions, your security. You think it will always be, but it won't. It can change in just an instant of time. What's the time to come that he's warning us about? The time to come he's warning us about is eternity. Eternity that is ahead of us. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. There's one thing certain when we leave this world. When we came in this world, we were naked. Somebody else washed us. When we leave this world, we'll be in the same condition and somebody else washes us. We brought nothing into this world. You didn't bring one dime into this world. You didn't bring one little sliver of gold or silver into this world. None of us did. Not only did we not bring it in, we're not taking it with us. I can remember one fella said, if I can't take it with me, I ain't going. Well, you are going, whether you like it or not, you will leave this world. And when the time comes to leave this world, you won't take anything out of this world. James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, says let the brother of low degree rejoice in that his he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. You see, you look at the grass outside, and and you, you admire how beautifully green it is. But when the sun comes out and scorches the grass, it just withers away. You look at the beautiful flowers, but soon they die. So, The same is true in our lives. What is true today, what is prosperous today, well, it won't last. There's a fellow in the Bible that said, I've got all these riches. What should I do? Well, I'll build bigger barns, and I'll tell my soul, take thine ease eat drink and be merry and you know what god said about him thou fool tonight thy soul shall be required of thee and then who shall these things be you're a fool to trust in uncertain riches certain we're going to depart from this world we saw that but when we as christians go into eternity there's another certainty and that is that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good good or bad knowing therefore the terror of the Lord now get that let's back up for just a minute Do you see that, the judgment seat of Christ? That we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's talking to Christians here, not the lost men. And he says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And the reason we have to appear there is to receive the things done in our body. The rewards that God has for us. Whether it be good or bad. If it's good, we get rewards. If it's bad, we lose. Not our salvation, but our rewards. So the view of that is, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. The picture there is, knowing that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and our works will be tried, knowing that, should cause us to stay right with God. And he's saying we persuade men. He's not talking about lost people. He's talking about Christians. We persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also ye are made, uh, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. In other words, we're manifest before God that we are living for that purpose to persuade men to know that there's the judgment seat of Christ. And we're living for that purpose. And we hope you see that in us too. Then consider this that we are to, to lay hold on. Lay hold on what? We are to lay hold on our blessed hope. It says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, one thing, as a Christian, I don't have to be fearful of. I don't have to be fearful of loss of my salvation or that Jesus won't take me when he comes back to receive his own because I have, the Bible calls it, a blessed hope. And what is it? The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. The blessed hope I have is that Jesus is coming again and that when he comes I'm going to be with him because he said in John chapter 14 in my father's house are many mansions I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I know I'm going to be where he is, because he's my Savior. He's my God and my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that, blessed hope, That blessed hope is a living hope, the Bible says. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 through verse 5. Got my words mixed up there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. A lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's a living hope, a lively hope, and an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. God has an incorruptible, undefiled, not, non-fading, Inheritance reserved in heaven for me, for every believer, for everyone who's been born into the family of God, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, as I travel through this world... One thing I know, I could never keep myself saved. But I'm not kept by my power. I'm kept by the power of God. He says through faith unto salvation. My salvation is certain It's preserved for me by God. And he's going to reveal it one day when I go to be with him. In the meantime, I don't have to live hoping. Or excuse me, I don't have to live hopeless. I don't have to live without knowing I know I'm saved. And now that I'm saved, well then it's now my job to keep that which is committed to thy trust. When I was saved, God gave me a trust, the word of God. I'm to keep it. As a pastor, I'm to keep that trust. Now as a pastor, how do I avoid the loss of that trust? by avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called? He says, "O oh, Timothy, His call is to Timothy. He's crying out to this young preacher. Oh, Timothy. He's pleading with him. Timothy. It's a very personal message. And preacher, it's a personal message to me, and it's a personal message to you. And young preachers, it's a personal message to you. And you who are training for the ministry, it's a personal message to you. Paul, very or he speaks very directly to Timothy. His goal is to address Timothy, to warn Timothy. It's an important warning. And that warning that is, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. There's some things we're to run away from. Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. So we're to flee these things and run after these things. Thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So I'm to flee these things and having, and having left them behind, I'm running and pressing toward the mark. And now what am I supposed to do? Now that I'm in that race, well, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The strength we have is not in ourselves. The strength we have is in Christ Jesus. This is my strength. That's what governs my life and governs my ministry and gives me what I need in the ministry. Is the strength that I have in Christ Jesus. That strength is given to me to keep that which is committed to my trust. Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Is to keep what God has given to me. To keep what is committed to my trust. The word of God. The strength that I have in Christ Jesus enables me to keep that. As every man hath received the gift, 1 Peter 4.10 says, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Keep what's committed to me. I have a faithful stewardship to keep as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So minister the same one to another. You see, I'm not given this grace of God just for myself and for my own selfish ends. It's to minister one to another. It's to serve others. The old song says, Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live for thee. We live for others. Faithful stewardship is faithfulness in the things that God has committed to us. In this case, the manifold grace of God that's committed to us. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Am I a steward of the word of God? Am I a steward in the ministry Ministering to others? Then what does God require of me? Success? No, he says, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What's committed to me and what God expects of me is to be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as such, I'll be found faithful. Faithfulness is required. What's that trust again? It's according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. This wonderful message of salvation. Think of it. God came into this world and took upon himself a human body and walked on this filthy earth and kept the law 100%. And then when he went to the cross, allowed himself to be beaten, allowed himself to be nailed to that cross, and he became sin for us so we could become his righteousness. And he then offers me eternal salvation. And this, then having been saved, he commits that message into our hands. Not only as preachers, but as born again believers, we have this this commitment kept or put into our hands. Committed to our trust. The glorious gospel. That's what it's all about. That's what we're supposed to be living for. That here's what's tragic. There are those who would change the gospel, and the gospel must remain pure. Paul talks about people like that in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. The pure gospel is the gospel of the grace of Christ. What's this other gospel? Well, it's not another gospel. There's no such thing as... a." Uh, Another good news message. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. We must be careful. If back then they had some who would pervert it, how much more do we have today? We must be, we must deliver the gospel in its purity and never give up the truth of the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 says hold fast the form of sound words that's the gospel which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. The gospel is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the holy ghost which dwelleth in you in us so the gospel that i'm to keep i keep it by the holy ghost which dwells in me my power to keep it is not mine it's his the glorious gospel is the faithful word, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, (coughs) excuse me, as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. We hold forth, or we hold fast, I'm sorry, we hold fast the faithful word Listen, what I have right here, right here, in the old Bible, the King James Bible, that's the faithful word. I'm to hold that fast. I'm not to give it up. I'm not to allow somebody to steal it, to take it from me. But many are allowing that. But I'm to hold fast the faithful word that I was taught that by sound doctrine I am then then able to exhort and convince the gainsayers. My power to carry on the ministry is found in the word of God, not in me. We're to stay true to the word of God. And staying true, we show that we love God. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 23, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Do you love God? Do you love God? Are you keeping his word? If you're not keeping his word, you don't love God. It's that simple. It's shown by evidence. You love God, you keep his word, you do what he says. And my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Here's where salvation is found. Here's where salvation is found. Here's where our security is found. Right here in this book. Here's the path of life. Here's the message I have committed to me. And this is what I'm to commit to others. And if I love God, I'm going to do that. Then he says, avoiding profane and vain babblings. We saw that before. What are profane and vain babblings? Hot air. A lot of hot air. In other words, they're just empty words. They're just profane things. They're crazy things. They're old wives' tales. Look at First Timothy. Chapter 4 and verse 7, but, but refuse profane and old wives tales, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. These are all things that men say. These are the traditions of men, not what God says. But what am I supposed to do? Exercise myself to godliness. That means I'm to believe God and do what he says. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, he says, and verse uh, through 17, I'm sorry, but continue thou, continuance is called for. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. You learned the truth of the gospel. You learned the word of God. Continue in it and hast been assured of. God assures us that's His Word, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You know who you learned the Word of God from? We learn from those that God sends our way to tell us the truth of the gospel. Did you get saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? If you didn't, you're not saved. But if you did, you got saved because the Bible said so. And that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures. Notice the holy scriptures, which by the way, were not the originals. Timothy is told you from a child, you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. The word of God is what makes you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation comes through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the only way to get saved. You can't get saved any other way. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. He's talking about this right here. This book right here, all scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. There you have your ministry laid out for you. Preacher, you got your ministry right there. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. There's your ministry. That's what it's all about. That's what we're in the ministry for. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God has given the man of God a perfect message, a perfect book. That's why I don't doubt the King James. I know it's perfect. You can question it if you will. That's your business. But may I say to you as a pastor, if you're questioning the book, you're questioning the only authority you really have to be in the ministry. And if you become, or your professors become, the word of god in place of god's word then you got a problem because men lie men make mistakes intentionally and unintentionally but we have a perfect book an inspired book in the king james bible And God has given us his pure words in the King James Bible. And he's furnished us unto all good works. Without it, you won't see good works. Then he goes on and talks about oppositions of science, falsely so called. (laughs) Boy, that stirred up a, a hornet's nest. And those that want to correct the Bible because they don't like the fact that it strikes right at the heart of their God. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it's written, the Bible says, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 19. That's why He calls it science, falsely so called, because this the wisdom of this world replaces the truth. And when we allow the wisdom of this world to replace the truth, well, then you get caught in a trap by your own craftiness. God takes the wise in their own craftiness. He shows their foolishness. As I said, it strikes right at the heart of the educated class. Those who believe People like me who accept and believe the Bible, the King James Bible is God's Word. Those educated ones, because you got to be educated not to believe that God gave us an inspired Bible. You don't do that from just picking up the King James Bible and reading it and studying it. You do it by studying those who question and give you ammunition to question the word of God. So it strikes right at the heart of the educated because it shows what they call science is not science at all. That's an interesting message at this time, of the, at this time of, in, in, or at this point in time, I should say that we have a science which is not science. Because we're constantly being told, follow the science. And yet the science seems to have a problem. It doesn't seem to work out the way they say. That word science, falsely so called in that scripture, is missing from many of the new Bibles, including the King James version, where they replaced it by putting the word knowledge. Somebody doesn't like their God being questioned. Their God is science. And by the way, the God today of men is science. I often say to my wife, God Man just proves God's word over and over again because he the Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 21 says, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. F- science, falsely so called. Don't be misled by what man worships science, because it's false. What man says is false. I mean, look, all the time I was growing up, I can remember if a lady was expecting, she was expecting a baby. In fact, they, the ladies used to wear uh, blouses that had that on it. They were expecting a baby. People would talk about they were expecting a baby. And you would say, is it male? Is it a boy or a girl? Well, in my day, you didn't know until it showed up. Surprise! (laughs) But you found out when it came out. The doctor would say, you've got a girl or you've got a boy. But in science falsely so-called today, you've got a whatever it is, whatever it decides to be. I can decide whether I'm male or female, Well, why can't I decide whether I'm President of the United States or not? If I can decide that I'm male or female, I'm totally contradicting science, because you're one or the other. You ain't ain't anything else according to science, actual science, not science falsely so-called. Now, I know that's not popular, but that's why they took it out. They took the word science out and put in the word knowledge because they can make it whatever they want it to be. The foolishness that's going on today just proves how foolish man is and how ignorant he is. Which some professing, God says, have erred concerning the faith. They've erred concerning what? What? The faith, what's their error? The some who are in error are those that put science in front of God's words. What God says is the truth. What man says is not. This sum rejects the true knowledge. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and a good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You know what that tells me? It tells me that if you don't fear God, if I don't fear God, if we don't fear God, we don't have wisdom because we're not even at the beginning of wisdom. But when we fear God, that's the beginning of wisdom, and that's followed by a good understanding. That understanding comes because we keep what he says in his words. We don't make it up as we go along. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3 says, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Well, if all the treasures are hid in wisdom and in knowledge, and wisdom begins with the knowledge of God, or I should say, begins with the knowledge to fear God, because He is God, well, since wisdom and knowledge are hid, in him. Then only by knowing God can you have wisdom and knowledge. And that's man's problem. He's rejected God, he's rejected God's words and because he's rejected God and his words then he goes on in his foolish behavior. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8 says beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You know who he's talking to? He's talking to Christians. He's saying be on your guard because you can be spoiled. You can be corrupted. Through what? Through what man worships today, philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, men say it's this way, that must be the way it is. After the rudiments of the world, the rules that the world lays down. And not after Christ. You're not following the Lord, you're not following Him, You're, you're, you're headed for trouble, you're headed for disaster. You're headed for corruption. Let no man deceive himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20 tells us. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, then let him become a fool. Does the world say you're wise? Then you better become a fool. Why? That he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. God looks at the things that man calls wisdom in this world and says they're foolishness. It's foolishness to believe that life came out of nothing. It's foolishness to believe that this world that is so intricate, this body that is so intricate that it all just came into being with no designer. But the house that I sit in, somebody had to build it. The lights that are on around me, somebody had to build them. The camera that I'm using, somebody had to build it. And none of those things is as intricate as the world in which I live as the body in which I live. So I know this, that there is a creator and that the wisdom of this world that teaches otherwise is foolishness. God tells me that. For it's written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. How do you like that? God says, you so smart, I tell you what, I'll just trip trip you up with your own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. The empty thoughts of this world. The emptiness of it all. And yet that's what man calls wisdom. Howbeit we speak wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. We speak wisdom, but not the wisdom of this world. What's the wisdom we speak? We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, when we talk about the salvation message, we're talking about the wisdom of God. God set up a way whereby man could be redeemed, and it was through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we ignore that, well, the Bible says it brings error. Holding faith and a good conscience with some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. You're headed for shipwreck, brother. You're not going to survive it. Your life is going to be wrecked and ruined if you reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ you're going to end up in hell. Come on in. Excuse me just a second. Sorry about that. I guess this is the problem with doing uh, live broadcasts is you never know what's going to happen in the middle of it. Landlord came by and needs to fix the the garage door opener because I'm... Getting too lazy to open it by hand. Anyway, so when we don't hold on to faith and a good conscience toward God, when you put those things away as a lost person, you've set aside the truth of the gospel and you've gotten rid of faith and a good conscience through the Lord Jesus Christ then you're headed for shipwreck. But Christian, this is talking to Christians. He's talking to pastors, Timothy in particular, young preachers in particular. He says, holding faith in a good conscience, which some having put away. He's warning him, if you put these things away concerning faith, then you make your ministry a shipwreck. You make your church a shipwreck. You make your Christian life a shipwreck. You can't survive it. Oh, you'll go to heaven. You have salvation. You have all that God wants you to have until you set those things aside, that business of faith. You set faith aside and Start living according to what the world says. You're in trouble. You know what your trouble is? You don't believe God, and you're not hanging on to the message that God gave you to preach. And you make your life shipwreck. And by the way, if you make your life shipwreck, what about the ships that are following you? What are they going to end up like? they're going to end up on the rocks too. You better be aware of that. He closes it up by saying, grace be with thee, amen. We need God's grace. We need it desperately. Because only by God's grace Can we stay faithful though others depart from the truth of God's words? See, we don't stay faithful to the truth of God's words because of our strength. We stay true to the faith or to the truth of God's words because of the grace of God. We avail ourselves of the grace of God. When you're ridiculed because you're not educated enough to understand that the King James Bible, well, it's too old English. The King James Bible, well, it's too difficult. And it doesn't make any difference if they change words in the new Bibles or they subtract things in the new Bibles because that probably wasn't necessary anyhow. And you hear all that. I remember years ago, the owner of a Bible bookstore said to me, they had just gotten in these new Bibles. And he knew that I believed and preached only the King James Bible. Studied only the King James Bible. And he said, don't you want to know what God has to say up to date? And I looked at him and I said this. I said, I didn't know God had changed what he had to say. I thought God said what he meant, meant what he said. God hasn't changed, friend." God hasn't changed, young pastor. God hasn't changed preachers in uh, in the ministry. God hasn't changed. It's man who's changed, not God. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 5 says, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. There's your problem. Corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. So Corrupt minds is and destitute of the truth. There's your problem. That's what causes men to end up shipwrecked. They follow men who are corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. For the love of money, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 says, is the root of all evil which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now here's, a, here's another one of those scriptures that really sets men off in these new Bibles. Because they take away for the love of money is the root of all evil. Did you notice that? All That word all is just like all of sinned, means everybody. This means all evil comes from the root, comes from the love of money. Man will do anything for money, gain in this world. And God says the love of money. So they change it by saying it's the root of all kinds of evil. It's not what God said. God said all evil. So let's take it for what God says. When you covet money, you're going to err from the faith. And you're going to pierce yourself through with many sorrows. And That's true of preachers as well as anybody else in the church. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Don't give it up. Don't turn loose of it. don't let anybody steal it from you. So what are we seen? Well we've seen how can we how, that how we can lay up for eternity and not time and that is by putting our treasure in heaven, not on this earth. We've seen what is to be kept and avoided in the ministry where to keep the word of God, and avoid man's wisdom. And we've seen the error of following after so-called science. So if you're being misled today, it's because you're willing to be misled. If you believe the Bible, the Bible will tell you what's right and what's wrong. What's the right path? What's the wrong path? And you either will or will not believe what God says. But the outcome is always the same. Believing God pays. Not believing Him destroys. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today for this study on chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. Thank you.